Uh, some uh, some interesting uh, parts of the show today. We are going to kick things off here. We have got Don Mazzella. We've got IQR Rizzoli. We've got our good friend Larry Tracy. And uh, Larry, there is a, uh, a lot happening. Uh, it seems like that there is just constant, constant uh, things going on. Um Larry, there is a lot happening. Uh, give us your take on things, and then I know Don and IQ are going to jump in and have some questions for you. But uh, first of all, let's talk about Boris Johnson's, uh, I, I, I guess, resignation? Is this what this is, or him leaving? Yeah, well, he, he resigned. He never quite used that word, and he said he'd, he'll stick around until October. But the conservative party is saying, no way, <laughs> we want you out. He just lost confidence in his uh, people. There's, there's an interesting, if you want to reach for it, and maybe it is a reach, parallel between what's happening in London and what's happening in Washington, because he's had 60, 50 or 60 of his uh, party resign over protest over his, the scandals and the various ethical problems, at the same time where the Democratic Party is saying Biden is a real disappointment and things are not going well, which leads to the obvious question could the same thing happen here uh we don't do it quite that way but uh you do have the 25th amendment in which they could uh come and and uh say that they no longer have confidence in him and that would lead us to kamala harris as the president so that's a pretty good guarantee that that won't happen but the other thing is it's a a very high inflation in england and the economy is very bad there are two other parallels but I think what we have to look at it from the uh, foreign policy standpoint is Boris Johnson has been a very, very strong backer of Zelensky in, in uh, Ukraine, uh, far, far more effective in, than, than has Biden been. I mean, yes, we've given more money and more arms, but he's been right there and on the ground, and, and he's been just unalterable in his support. And we've been dragging our feet. We still have not given them the equipment that they really need. They don't have the ammunition. We're in a war of attrition right now with the big guns and the artillery. And uh, Afghan- uh, the uh, Afghanistan, Ukrainians are, are ultimately going to lose out in that situation unless we get them the stuff. And now the question is, with Johnson gone, will, uh, will the uh, British support drop off? I, I don't think it will. I think the Brits will will stay right there, the British military and, and the Conservative Party. Uh, ultimately, if the uh, Labor Party comes into power, then that could be a completely different thing. But right now, I think things will continue on, and uh, Brits will have to work this out themselves and see who is going to be in there. It'll probably be an, an interim uh, prime minister until they come up with a, an election within the party and do that, because, again, our system is so different than ours. But he's, uh, he's been a colorful character, but apparently quite unpopular right now from what I, I see. On, uh, I listened to a little bit on BBC, and uh, there doesn't seem to be any tears being shed that he's gone. <laughs> so, Don Mazzella, do you have any questions for Larry Tracy while we've got him? Well, I got, I got a hot rumor for you, but uh, uh, Larry, um, I, 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 I don't have as good a source as you. But I heard that there are American troops involved in the Snake Island uh, um, uh, uh, retaking of Snake Island. Um, do you, do, have you heard anything about that? 
No, I, I didn't get that last part, uh, Don. Could you say that again? I, I, I've, I've heard, I've been told that American troops were used to help retake Snake Island. And one of the reasons the Russians skedaddled is they didn't want to get involved with the American troops. Well, I don't know how that's going to going to work out. There's, uh, we've got uh, some of these our veterans have gone over there and fought and gotten captured, and that's that's a complicating factor. But one of the one of the problems we're having right now is there the uh, the Russians have much longer range artillery, and they can put them back into Russia and fire. And Biden has told uh, Zelensky that. Uh, He's not going to give them any weapons that could reach Russia, so that that's going to be a a problem. It's a it's a terrible thing of a war of attrition that's going on, and the uh, the Ukrainians are just losing so many people each day with that constant artillery bombardment. But isn't it a shame that the Russian military tr- doctrine is that uh, they don't care how many casualties they get as long as they win? Yeah, they they really don't care. They. Uh, uh, I, I talked to, uh, many years ago, I talked to a fellow who had been in the uh, then-Soviet Army, but I don't think it's changed much. And, and their enlisted men are treated like, like second-class citizens, not at all like ours. They don't care how many they lose. They figure they can bring them, bring them in. They've got the contract soldiers. And uh, Interestingly, uh, yesterday my wife and I had as dinner guests two people from Moldova, and they're in touch with their... Uh, relatives back there and, and that and there's a, a real fear that uh, Putin's going to move in there and the, so he can create a land bridge into the Crimea and uh, they, they've got a very small army they want to join uh, NATO and the European Union and it, the thing that bothers me on Biden's reaction to this sure we're the biggest donor of everything but there's such a an appearance of timidity and, and weakness on his part and I, I understand one of the reasons. The bad guy, Putin, has 6,000 nuclear missiles that can reach, and many of those are ICBMs that can reach the United States. Yep. But that seems to be in, in Biden's head, and he doesn't want to push too hard, and Putin knows that he can do that. And we've got the now the potential of Putin using starvation around the world as a weapon because he's got the Ukrainian wheat being bottled up and they can't get rid of it. George Will has a column in the Washington Post and other syndicated columns today about that. Oh, it wasn't, wasn't Will, excuse me, it was another another reporter in there about the uh, the fact that the the U.S. Navy should try to break that blockade uh, that the Russians have put up at the Black Sea. Well, I don't, I don't think Biden's ever going to approve that because he's got this... Uh, Weakness uh, syndrome about about not wanting to irritate and and push uh, Putin over the brink. And there's there's a logic to that. I can understand that. But at some point, that's what uh, Putin is really using as his principal weapon. That he can box uh, people in like that with that fear of nuclear weapons. Whatever happened to Matt? Well, that uh, then it's Katie bar the door. <laughs> if that happens, we're back into a. Cuban Missile Crisis again, and just hope that there'll be some sane people within the Russian military that are going to say no. And if Putin gives an order to fire missiles at the United States, well, that's uh, that it's, it's it could be the end of the world. 
and and I give I give Biden uh, credit, and I understand that that concern because uh, you don't know you don't know what is in Putin's head. Is he is he turned the corner? Is are there people that can control him in any way? These uh, guests that we had from uh, Moldova, uh, who live here in the United States, uh, they said that they're they're hearing from their relatives back in Moldova that they're they're just concerned that that Putin is is out of control and may not be a stable person. Are there people that can control him, or are there people that can eliminate him? That's that's uh, one of the questions. But at this point, we've we've got a. a a man very different than Khrushchev back in the Cuban Missile Crisis, which I studied extensively because I was on active duty at that point. And, and Khrushchev was a riverboat gambler. He made a big, uh, big uh, gamble of getting the missiles into Cuba, and then when he saw that he lost, he and people around him were able to back off on that and save a little face and save the world. But we don't know. We don't know about Putin. So IQ Rizzoli, do you have any questions for Larry Tracy, the great military not, man? Not really, no, because I have a comment. The Vietnam War lasted 10 years. America lost 58,000 people in 10 years. Yep. So far, in four months, at the rate of 200 dead per day, the Ukrainians have lost 24,000 people. It's a rate of attrition that they cannot sustain. And at least, as the gentleman said, the artillery, the Russians have got, according to the Americans, at least 900 pieces of very long-range artillery battalions, tactical groups. That's right. 900 yeah. pieces. That's, that's been the Russian style of warfare and their Absolutely. doctrine for Absolutely. all the time of using that long-range So instead long of invading, artillery. they are destroying the small towns and cities, and then they will take a rubble country. Look. I'm not supporting Putin invading Ukraine. I completely agree with him taking over the Crimea. Crimea never belonged to Ukraine. Crimea was never part of Ukraine. Crimea was always part of Russia. And it had the Russian fleet there forever. What he did, what he did when he invaded Ukraine, that's a different story. That's an act of aggression. But it's too late now. And if you think American troops could go and Snake Island and do something, that is the most insane thing to do. Well, I mean, there's, there's, there's one so, silver lining to this whole thing, if we can call it that, is, and that's for years, we in the United States, as well as NATO, have feared the, uh, the powerful Russian army. And back during the Cold War days, when it was the Soviet Union, the big concern was that the Russian army would come storming down the Fulda Gap into Germany, and that would. And now it turns out that uh, this is, uh, if not a paper tiger, it's a much weaker army than we thought. And NATO's confidence is probably very high that if they really comes push to shove, they're going to be able to take the Russian army on. But in the background, you've got those six thousand nuclear weapons, and that that's the. Uh, concern the psychological edge that Putin has on that. Do we want to tip it over so that all of a sudden we have a nuclear uh, war back and forth and, of course, the radiation around the world? It's, uh, he, he's got that as his uh, ace card to hold. He's, he's got, got that. He's, he's living in the head of every one of the NATO leaders because of those nuclear weapons. And my view is you, you really have to count on the fact that 
there'll be more saner people will be in the <laughs> army that will say no we're not going to do that but he's probably ever, placed a lot of his loyalists in the uh, strategic rocket forces which are the ones that control the missiles have you ever met a sane russian what was that have you ever met a sane russian no, I've met very few that I. It's too small a sample to be able to judge. That's meant as a joke, but the. Uh, yeah. uh, but you, you're absolutely right about that. But at, but at some point, you, you've got to you, you've got to stop, and and uh, say, uh, what is the future? Uh, if he takes uh, the Ukraine, if he takes Moldova. If he takes uh, uh, whatever he does, at some point you're gonna you're gonna have a, 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 a stop and say this is the the line. Um, I, I agree. There there has to be a point. We can't continually go with just being afraid of him on it. And I would I would hope, knowing a little bit about the way the the U.S. government operates, I would hope that we have some people from uh, a certain government agency of the United States in Moscow, sort of working with people there. <laughs> I have no knowledge of it, but I, I just hope that there's things that are happening below the surface that we don't know about, that we can get someone to take him out and uh, keep the... Uh, because when once the Soviets... I, again, I keep slipping back to that. Once the Russians decide they're going to send nuclear weapons, they know that their country is going to be destroyed as well. Uh, so uh, they've got to look at it and say, do we want to uh, end the world? Do we want to do it for, because of Putin? Or do we want to keep this and see what we can do with a new leader later on? Larry, forget about theories of self-destruction, the mad concept. What do you think should happen now? I mean, I have a good idea. I would like to hear yours. Well, if we get our uh, get the weapons in the uh, multiple launch rocket systems that we have, they have already sent over uh, the howitzers. And uh, one of the things that they need is ammunition. There, uh, the Ukrainians have been using their old Soviet-supplied uh, ammunition, and they're running out of it. And the Russians have an almost an unending supply, I would think. The additionally, the Ukrainians don't like to lose soldiers, but it doesn't appear as though the Russians are that concerned about it. And so uh, I think we're coming very, very close to a, a critical inflection point as to what will happen. Are we getting the weapons in there? Go back to the old thing on the MiG-29s. There are two Ukrainian pilots that have been working their way around Washington here just trying to make the play for uh, getting the weapons over there, the MiG-29s. On it, and some of them are saying about, well, they want F-16s. Well, it takes a lot of training to get a person trained from flying an M, uh, an old uh, 1980s version of the Big 29 to a more modern U.S. M-16. Controls, everything is so different uh, from it. So, but we are not giving them what they need. They've been very specific what they want, and we're slowing down on it. And I, I don't understand that because if there's anything. The U.S. military does very well. It's logistics. We know how to get the uh, the beans and bullets, and in this place, the artillery rounds, to the place in time. And I think it could be done. I don't know if the military is being restricted politically on doing that, but they uh, they they must get that in there so that the 
Russians are playing a much greater uh, cost uh, price than they they are currently doing. Uh, the Russians have uh, a very good counter battery system, which they can detect when a when a shell has been fired at them. They can get a target on that in four minutes. So therefore, the Ukrainians are using what is known in the military as the the shoot and scoot technique that you fire off and then you move to another location quickly. And the multiple launch rocket system is, is very uh, capable of doing that. But as far as I know, we've only sent them four systems so far. They need many, many more than that. And it's, that's, that's where I'm wondering if if Boris Johnson had had all that material, he could send it over because he wasn't <coughs> holding back at all. Yep. I'm just hoping whoever replaces him will continue it and give a little more spine to the U.S. on that. But, Larry, with all due respect, even if you give them all the launch systems, the ammunition required to fill up these will be enormous. And nobody has the capacity to produce enough and send them 5,000 miles from America to the Ukraine. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's, it. And they, uh, they've been using uh, not only the equipment that we've been sending them, but they've been using their old Soviet-supplied artillery, and that's where they're running out of ammunition, because they haven't had that since the 1980s, 90s. Uh, so it, it depends on us to get them the artillery systems and the rocket systems that they can use and all of the ammunition so they could just bring heavy heavy fire constantly on, on the Russians, who apparently, from reports, and we can't really depend on all these reports, uh, the Russians just taken heavy casualties. But they don't care as much about that as the Ukrainians would, and they, they have far more that they can bring in than the Ukrainians. They have a definite limited number. The Ukrainians have the will to fight, but they need more than that. They need that that equipment that would have been rather slow in delivering to them. But even if you gave them all the equipment they wanted, let us assume you're absolutely right. They, you, America will give them all the equipment they wanted. They no. can't win. They can't win. Russia is on their border. America is 5,000 miles away. Russia well, doesn't... We're in agreement we on that. To... The Americans have the capacity to do that. We can do it. We just have to put the full will to it to, to get it across and not let the uh, concern over provoking Putin too much at, at heart. But if you had the capacity to do all that, why didn't they take the ammunition and the guns and all the equipment from Afghanistan? You left Actually, 80 billion. Yeah, but wait, 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 wait. America left 80 billion worth, 80 billion dollars worth of equipment. If you had the logistics, why didn't they take them out? No. Why did they leave it to the Taliban? I can't answer the question. <laughs> oh, okay. You have to direct that at the higher levels of the government as to no, why. No, I don't have you ought to send that up, up the ladder, IQ. Yeah. <laughs> is, I, am, I am the top of the ladder. I don't need to go any higher. They are incompetent. Well, as, as James knows, I've been saying from the beginning, once that invasion force started to be on the border of Ukraine, we should have been sending in supplies then, not just threatening about economic sanctions, but sending in loads of C-117s loaded with the Singers, the Javelin, and the other, and offloading them in front of the TV cameras so that the Russian pilots and tankers could see what was going to be hitting them. They knew from Afghanistan back in the uh, 80s 
what the uh, Stinger could do to their helicopters. It just devastated their helicopter force. And the Javelin has been a great missile. And in a sense, I think we could say that the, uh, the Ukrainians won the tank war because of the incompetence of the Russian army and their terrible logistics. But the Russians are right now winning the artillery war. That's the war of attrition. And uh, they'll probably wind up taking a good bit of the, uh, of the eastern part of the country. But that's exactly what's happening. That's exactly that's what's, what's happening. happening now. And the only thing that can stop it is if we get in loads of ammunition and make a big play and not only get it in there, but, but talk. We're talking a lot, but we're not walking as much. And there, there is the delay. And that's the fault of the Biden administration. Um, Larry, um, there is a published report, I won't say where, that um, uh, Biden is afraid that um, uh, the Russians have some, some data on his son that it will be embarrassing to him and his son. Have you heard anything like that? No, not really. There's... You know, there's been so much happening domestically that all of a sudden there's Ukraine is no longer on the front page. We've had the mass shootings. We've got all the political machinations going on. So there's somewhat of a dearth of information on what is what is really happening there. Well, I guess the other let's turn to that question. You know, I think everybody's afraid if Biden goes, we've got Kamala and and. Uh, uh, every, uh, Democrat and Republicans are afraid of her. Well, what are your thoughts? Well, it, 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 it just is. We're we're at this period where we've had the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff say that this this war could go on for years. I, I don't see that at all. I think this is going to culminate within the next uh, three or four months uh, where we're doing it, where the uh, Russians perhaps decide. Once they've gotten the eastern part of Ukraine, that they'll say, good, that's what we need, and try to save face. Because, uh, again, these Moldovan uh, friends that uh, came over, they, they have not only contact, and they're both Russian speakers, uh, they have contact with their families in uh, Moldova, but they also are getting word from uh, Russia, and there's still lots of protests. People are really, really gutsy. They're going out and protesting, and social media, one of the one of the people was, he's about 25 years old, he's very, very active in social media, and he said they just, the Russians have not been able to stop the uh, social media, and there's lots of protests among young people. Young people are the ones who go to fight wars, and they don't want to be drafted into that. So he's facing the potential of domestic uh, crisis within his own country, even though they've got strong police force, can put people down, but... Uh, it, it's not all a bed of roses for Putin right now. He certainly overestimated what he was able to do, and his military has been really humiliated in, in what has happened. And the whole world sees that the Russian army is not nearly as powerful as it appeared to be. But there's an old expression, and I used this several, a couple months ago on, with James, and I said we have an expression that mass hides a lot of mistakes. If you've got overwhelming force, you can make a lot of tactical mistakes, and that's just that force, and he, he does have that potential. He didn't, bring, he didn't bring enough people in on the invasion force for a country as large as Ukraine. He had 190,000. He should have mounted a force with about three or 400,000 
and brought them in there. That could have done the immediate immediate work, but they their intelligence was very bad. They just felt that they could overrun Kiev in, uh, in a couple of days. And, and our chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff said the same thing. And everybody back here was surprised at that, how the Ukrainians fought. But they're, they're, they're running out of people. They're running out of ammunition. And it's up to us to get the ammunition to them because we don't want to ever have U.S. troops in on something like this. Now, uh, Larry, what about the fact that the uh, Russians have lost so many uh, generals and uh, colonels in this war? Doesn't that I, have I, I didn't get that. Could you repeat that? The, the, they've lost a lot of colonels and generals and things like this. That Don, yeah. is, Don is trying to get your thoughts on that being a former military man. Well, that, and all that this. is a problem that so many third world countries have, and I was surprised that the Russians were the same way on this, and that is they don't develop a non-commissioned officer force, sergeants. And therefore, and the decisions are not made at the operational tactical level. In, in our military, we put great emphasis on training our sergeants and our junior officers. And the overall orders can come down from the journal, generals and the colonels. And then right at the tactical level where the rubber meets the road, it's up to those lieutenants and sergeants to put it into operation. And they just don't have their army constructed like that. That's why the generals had to come up and uh, to take over, and that's why a lot of them were killed. I, last count, I had a, seven or eight of them were killed, and a lot of colonels as well. Uh, so uh, uh, that, that's their, their future leadership uh, is going. So I'd, I'd say the, the people in the Russian army right now have to be saying, boy, did Putin get us into a mess, not only what has happened, but also it exposed their weaknesses. And NATO is watching this very carefully, and all I can think of is NATO is saying, boy, our, our self-confidence is much higher. If we have to go against the Russian army, we can take them. And uh, they've just formed that new organization. It's going to be a 300,000 tactical, whatever, I forget what the name of it was. But I, I think the, the Russians have done something that we have tried to do, and that is to get NATO to really put money into their, their armed forces. Remember, Trump was always pushing that, said, why, why are we the ones over there supporting you and you're buying oil from, from Russia? Uh, so now, now NATO has been awakened. The, I don't know if it's a sleeping giant, but it's a lot more confident now than it was before this started, because they now see the reality of what their adversary is, as opposed to what they thought before. Well, uh, standing by and looking at this is China. What do you think? That, uh, do you think the Chinese have improved their uh, army enough to uh, make it a first-class force? Again, I, I didn't get that last part. I'm sorry. Are you having trouble? I apologize. No, 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 uh, no, no. Uh, Larry, but, but, uh, the the first class military force with China and try try, try 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 that again, Don. So maybe he can hear you. Yeah, and, uh, and then James, could, you could, you could translate it because I realized you got the phone <laughs> connection on there. Oh no, the, my question is: Do you think the Chinese have made made their army into a first class? They just launched up. Uh, another aircraft carrier. Do you now, what what do they... you think of the Chinese army there, Larry? Well, here's a here's thing, just to go a little beyond just the question. Uh, China is probably looking right now at this, uh, especially you? with the, the way the U.S. government is and there yeah. are strategic yeah. ambiguity. Yes, I help you? 
Yeah, so, getting so, ready to go after after Taiwan. So, my so, concern is this. Yes, go ahead. They Larry. may they may fire and 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 if they sink a U.S. aircraft carrier and they have the capability of doing that, then that. There's just no way the United States cannot react to something. That would be 5,000 uh, personnel killed, all the aircraft, etc. And this is where the Russian-Chinese connection could come. Russia has the missiles, the intercontinental ballistic missiles. China doesn't have the capability of that to do it. But that's where Russia could come in and, and help the Chinese. So we're, we're concentrating on Ukraine, but... Taiwan is a real, real threat. Uh, I mean, the, the attacking of Taiwan and what that could set in motion with the United States and the free world versus China and Russia. Russia having a poor army, but having all those missiles. And that could start it off. So I think there's a lot of effort to try and keep keep uh, Taiwan, China sort of off to the side and not, not provoke them too much on that. Well, yeah, um, Many people don't believe that Biden will protect Taiwan. The Taiwan, judging by what the, the, the apartments are buying in New York, Taiwanese don't think that that the, that the America will uh, protect them. What do you think? Yeah. What What do you well, think about a, that, Larry? Yeah. Go ahead. No. Just, just, just as as a military man, what 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 do you think about all this? Well, I, I just think that we've got we're in probably one of the most dangerous situations we have been in since the Cuban Missile Crisis, and uh, we we had at that point you had Khrushchev who turned out to be a pretty pretty rational guy, you had Soviet military officers who used excellent judgment and did not act on on impulse, and the famous story as I'd mentioned once before of the submarine commander who thought they were at war. And then when the American commander flashed over on the signal, hey, those, those flares that were dropped on you, that was a mistake. We're not at war. He stopped the idea. He had, his, the torpedoes had already been armed. That, that could have started the war right there. But you had some rational people. We don't know whether we have rational people in the Soviet, uh, the Russian military at this point. And with China, uh, they, they think in the long term they're um, – they're building their military. I mean, they're building their fleet up that they're going to have a larger fleet than we have. And they certainly, we are at a disadvantage over there in uh, in the waters of Taiwan and China because the Chinese will have much more combat power to use if we go to war. Uh, it's, it's a dangerous situation, and that's where, where we have to look both at Taiwan as well as what's happening in Ukraine. But I, I think the two of them are, are united in the eyes of President Xi and, and uh, Putin. We have got Larry Tracy with us today. We have got IQ Al-Rizzoli. So, so Larry, give us your take uh, as we wrap up here with you on the fact that the Democrats are backing off of Biden. Well, it's a rather, uh, I don't know if we've ever had a case where where we've had people such so early in the administration. Uh, one fellow was, uh, I don't know who it was, he was, I quoted, it was quoted today, I saw that he said, Biden's got the bully pulpit, but is he hiding behind it or is he under it? He's not using it. And then uh, Biden's communications director, who has been with him from the time he was a candidate, she resigned today. Uh, 
you've got the information coming out on the uh, laptop that he, in fact, has lied, that he never engaged the conversations, and now they've, they've got his voice uh, on the phone about it. So, you know, in one sense, I feel a little sorry for Biden. He has yearned to be president of the United States for so long, and now he's president of the United States, and it looks like he's going down in record as the most unpopular person to ever occupy the Oval Office. He could have resigned. He could have retired the private life and said, well, I was vice president for eight years, and do it with that, and then go on with his business operations with his son. But now he, he's, he's just a pariah, and they're, they're, the, the sharks are circling in the water against him right now. Who are they going to get? And you've got Gavin Newsom out in California coming out, running ads in Florida to attack DeSantis. That may be a preview of what the next election is going to be. But they, they just, uh, the, the Democrats have, I think they now have what we would call buyer's remorse. They got him in there to defeat Trump. And uh, it turned out that they've got Bernie Sanders' philosophy running the country instead of uh, Biden's supposed moderation. And as I remember, James, I've told you before, I, I saw Biden up close and personal when I went over to back up my boss, the assistant secretary of defense, and I saw him very charming, very, very friendly. But once the question started to go, it looked to me like he was an extreme leftist, not the moderate that everybody said. And after one of those sessions, I, I went over to see my friend, Congressman Henry Hyde. He and I had a very good relationship because I, I spoke uh, for him out in Chicago. And I asked him, I said, what's the story with Biden? He, he doesn't seem to be nearly the moderate. And he said, oh, no, Joe's got to protect his left flank. But he's, he's really a good man. Well, I, I kind of doubt that right now. So uh, I... I, I, I do not believe that Biden is going to be the candidate in 2024. We don't even know whether he's going to be president. They may come up with some reason to invoke the 25th Amendment and to get him out, but then they have Kamala in, and maybe they'll push her to resign, so you've got a completely new pair running in 2024. But their biggest threat right now is they're going to get, to use Barack Obama's famous word, a real shellacking in November. They'll lose the House and they may well, may well lose the Senate and uh, the, there'll be hearings galore in January and February on Hunter Biden, on the border, on the disgrace of uh, Afghanistan, the way we lost that. And there are going to be a lot of heads rolling at that point. And I would say Biden's could be the, the first head to roll. I've been invited to, to a press conference where President, uh, Donald Trump is going to announce his uh, running for the presidency. Do you think um, uh, uh, that will have an effect on the 22? On the oh, it time? may. It, it may do, do that. The uh, I think the most immediate effect that I thought was going to have an impact, but it doesn't seem to be working that way, was the Supreme Court turning over Roe v. Wade. That was going to be a big threat. But uh, all the surveys come out. People say it's inflation, it's the economy. And I think the Democrats will be looking at the tea leaves there and start to concentrate on that. But there's not much they can do. The, the only thing the Fed can do is raise interest rates. That can tap down inflation. But when they do that, they're also causing great hardship. People can't buy cars. They can't buy houses. Their interest rate on their credit cards is very high. So it's, it's, a, it's a tough way. The, uh, 
Larry, Larry Summers, who was Clinton's Treasury Secretary, he's been warning about this from the beginning, that uh, all those printing of that money, the, uh, the, the various bills that went through the agenda, which I would call the Bernie Sanders agenda, and then the Build Back Better, which fortunately was shut down, the, that that was just going to cause inflation. And uh, he's been proven right. But they, they seem to just keep barreling along on that way. Uh, so what do we have, three months left to go? Uh, a <laughs> group of us here, I live in Bethesda, Maryland, which is very, very blue, but about 10 or 15 of us who we may be the 90 percent of the Democrat of the Republicans living in Bethesda. We're having a party on the uh, election night and I've urged everybody. We don't watch it on Fox. We watch it on CNN and MSNBC to see how much lipstick they put on the pig of that election coming up. So it'll be a, at a good time in uh, 2022 or November. But uh, the big thing is, what do we do for the presidency two years later? Did you see that uh, the, the new head of CNN has told him that uh, it has to move uh, more to the center in news gathering? Uh, he made a big speech in Sun Valley uh, yesterday. Uh, you got to see the speech to believe it. Uh, it's on YouTube. <laughs> no. Uh, he's in, in effect admitting that the, being to the left and, and news is not going to cut it right now. Well, you know, one of the things that's coming up, we haven't mentioned it today, is that Durham still has uh, more uh, uh, trials coming up. He lost the other one because that was the District of Columbia. There was no chance of winning that with the jury here. But the, the whole Russian collusion thing was based on the sealed dossier, and the sealed dossier was based on information given by this fellow, Igor Dachenko, I think his name, who now under oath has said it was all false. There was no connection whatsoever with Trump and the Russians. So uh, that'll, that'll come out. There's going to be some red faces on the part of the press because they kept so much of it quiet. And, and, and certainly the, I think the, uh, the hearings coming up with, on uh, the Hunter Biden laptop, they're, they're going to be fascinating. And will all the will the other cable channels carry those? That'll be the interesting mm -hmm. thing. But January and February should be a a, a good time to watch. <laughs> the New York Times has an article today that the IRS investigated the uh, Comey yeah. and his top deputy McCabe. Yeah, they're they're. Uh, I heard they're complaining about that uh, on it, but that's probably coming from information that has been fed in by Durham into the Justice Department. Uh, but this Justice Department, you know, we can complain a lot about Mitch McConnell, but Mitch McConnell kept Garland off the Supreme Court. <laughs> Just because yes. this guy was on the Supreme Court. Yes. And the fact that they are, uh, they're, they're absolutely ignoring laws about you're not allowed to parade in front of a justice's yes. home. They yes. should be arresting everyone. And they're not. Yeah, but I've heard that Garland is so bitter about not making the Supreme Court that uh, he is really angry uh, as angry making judgments based on that. Have you heard that? Yeah, well, I've, I've heard a lot of things about the, the court. One of the big things they want to do is expand it, and that would be a disaster. Uh, 
because oh, yeah. they expand it to 11, and then the Republicans can come in and they expand it to 13. <laughs> and Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you couldn't find any more, one more liberal than she, and she said it was an absolute mistake. Nine is the right number for the Supreme Court. Yes. And, yes. and they just they just don't like it when they've got people when they're outnumbered on there. Well, elections have consequences, and <laughs> they. We, there are a lot of things to criticize Donald Trump about, but the fact is that he put three justices on the Supreme Court. So it means God is looking down on the United States in that way. Well, Larry, so uh, before we let you go, how do people get your book and, and everything else, my friend? Well, the book is on Amazon. It's um, persuasive speaking. You, uh, you asked last week, James, about... Maybe I should send a copy to Kamala Harris <laughs> as a courtesy <laughs> on it. I, w- I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't want to help her in any way. But it's a book uh, based on real-world experience of dealing with tough audiences, and, and that can be in government or in business, and be able to persuade so that they, people see things the way you see it and it's in their best interest. That's, that's the key. So they can just go into Amazon and uh, buy it there, uh, bring home the bacon, Become well, a stuff. persuasive leader through the uh, proven S3P3 system. That's the way it is. Well, Larry, so I, I appreciate your time, and uh, the guys appreciated chatting with you, and we will uh, talk to you next week. Thank you, Larry. Okay. Enjoyed it very much. Thanks for appreciate all. Appreciate it. There he it goes. That's Larry Tracy, uh, Bring Home the Bacon, which is uh, his, his great book. And before we get our next guest on here, uh, IQ, what, 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 what did you think of Larry Tracy? Well, he hit the nail on the head about the NCOs in the Russian army. The lack of NCOs destroyed the Russian army in Ukraine. The non-commissioned officers. That's what happened. He's right. He's absolutely right. Yeah. We don't. That's why, if you don't have non-commissioned officers, it means the generals and the colonels have got to go to the front line to give the orders, which is absolutely stupid. <laughs> anyway, they paid the price. So, as you said, elections have got consequences. Wars have got consequences. Yes. Yes. Hey, James. I think we've got Sandra Lee with us. Sandra, how are you, my friend? I'm very good. You're in Kansas. (laughs) We are, unfortunately, in Kansas. And uh, we have got got Don Mazzella, who I believe is in... Are you in New Jersey or, or New Jersey? New today. Jersey, and of course, then we've got IQL Rizzoli, who is in Europe, um, and we've got our guest Sandra Lee. And uh, Sandra, you um, you are fantastic. You have got several books. You've got your dear Donald books, and uh, you are a big time Trump supporter. Um, Don Mazzella was was just telling us he's been invited to a Trump press conference. Tell us a little bit more about this, Don. Well, no, oh, how exciting! Yes, t- t- tell us, Mazzella. You're 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 going to be going. What what when is this, Don? Give us all the well, details. Well, I don't know. It just it's from the Trump headquarters, and it says it's a, where he's going to make a major announcement. And then uh, uh, I've got from several other sources that he. He's going to announce that he's going to run for president before the, the November election. Have you heard anything about that, Sandra? Yes, I, I actually have been hearing about that a little underground and not so much underground. I think we've all known for quite some time that Donald is going to run for president again. He's not 
you know, shouting it out with a megaphone. But yeah. he's starting to to whisper it, to state it, to discuss it. It gets a little louder and a little louder and a little louder. And I think in the next few weeks, you're going to hear it right out of a megaphone. He's ready to go. And it's coming at a perfect time because, you know, two days ago, I told James, I was so angry when I had to do my interview. I, I was breathing fire because I am so sick of these Democrats and I'm so upset with them all. And in the next day and the next day and a half, the tables started to turn because everybody is getting to the same boiling point that I'm getting to, which is enough is enough. Enough is enough. This man should have been president. There were lots of shenanigans that went on that undermined uh, the election that he should have won. And uh, we want him back. And now that we see what Biden has done to the country, what's happening to the economy, what's going on with everybody. I wrote a a couple of pages today for my book, Dear Donald, um, A Rainbow in a Winter Sky. That's the name of my new book. And the, the entry that I put in was, Uh, The tables are turning because I feel the tables are turning. Two days ago, I didn't feel that way. I felt like, oh, my gosh, we're doomed. We're just doomed. This is just unfathomably impossible to correct all the things that are going wrong. But in those two days, everything started to shift. And so today I called James. I said, James, I'm not negative the way I was two days ago. I've regained my my faith in Donald and in the future and in America, and we're on our way to reclaiming our American dream and our American ideals. Well, Sandra, um, IQ Rizzoli is with us. He is he is a best-selling author. He is a uh, apparently uh, it, it, IQ. You have your green card, right? You went through all Absolutely. the you yeah, went through all 100%. the process. And um, he is the biggest Donald Trump supporter from overseas. <laughs> um, what what kind of questions here do you have for Sandra Lee? Because Sandra is is great, but I, I IQ have, should should he have waited until the middle after after the election? Yes, should I would think he should have waited. Should should he have waited till the midterms were over and then announced, "Hey, I'm going to be running." No. I think okay, why not? I think he should have said it immediately. I think really? he should have let us know from day one that he was going to be running. But, you know, you can't count on me for common sense because I'm madly in love with this man. And I think you can't count for me for common sense. That no, is fantastic. I've never had a guest I mean? say that on this show. I am absolutely passionate about... This was somebody (laughs) new and refreshing who was not a political giant who just wanted to make America great again. And and so I I sometimes can be a little bit irrational, but that's okay. I'm (laughs) one thousand percent positive when it comes to Donald Trump. I think he was blessed by God. I think he was called by some wonderful higher power to bring America back to where it needs to be. Um, We have an American dream, which is the only place in the world 
where this kind of optimism and freedom exists. And I don't want to lose it. And I think Donald Trump has been um, blessed with a certain kind of charisma and power and um, intensity and relentless ambition that is not only made him a rich man in America, but is going to make him the man who's going to bring America back to its highest ideals. You know, he succeeded because he is a patriot. I remember watching an interview 35 or 30 years ago with Oprah Winfrey, when he said 30 years ago exactly what he would do when he becomes president. And we, when he became president, he did exactly what he said 30 years ago. I agree with you. He and you know the only... what's so wonderful about him is that he he's lived in the business world. He's traveled the world. He's not a politician. He's a pragmatist, and he sees things sees things clearly. And he's so open-hearted and open-minded and forgiving. And you know, he's a very spiritual man. I know his life has not been perfect. You wouldn't want to know about the imperfections in my life. I'll bet you, you wouldn't want me to know about the imperfections in yours. We're all sinners. None of us is perfect. And uh, he's just another one of us. But he's learned, he's grown, he's grown spiritually, he's brilliant, and he's committed to making America great again. You just don't get anything better than that. He's real. Correct. Not a politician. He's a real blessed man. But 48% of Americans are too dumb to believe that. <laughs> 48% you know what? at least. All these numbers are changing and changing and changing. And they are moving in the direction of approving of Donald Trump and disapproving of the Democrats. The Democrats are moving over to the Republican Party in a big red wave. That red wave is not a figment of our imagination. They're leaving California. They're leaving Democrat states because they hate the way those states are governed. And they're moving into red states, into Florida and into Texas and into states that are run by Republicans. And they're not blue going into red. They're blue going into red and becoming red. They appreciate the freedom in the red states. They want that for their children. And the blue states are not what they used to be. They've changed. They've become almost communistic. They've they become, are communistic, um, not almost. They are communistic. Yeah, you know, I hate to say it, but I agree with you. They are fascists. I hate to say it. It hurts me to say it. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, Sandra. You've got to be careful because I honestly still believe that in 2022, they will try to pull another fast one of 2020. The Democrats will do it again. Oh, I With all the optimism, you've got to be careful. You've got <laughs> to keep your eyes on the ball. Yes. You've got to keep your eyes. I'm talking about the Conservative Party, the GOP. Keep your eyes on the Democrats. Oh, yeah. I, I, again. I think what's happened fairly recently is the, uh, the, the quote-unquote conservatives, the, the corporate Republicans, have already decided that uh, they don't want Trump. And they're doing all they can to make sure he doesn't he doesn't run. And if he does run, he doesn't win. Um, 
it's it's sort of the same thing that happens with the with the corporate Democrats and Bernie Sanders. Only with Bernie, they've just stolen two two elections out from underneath with him. And then <laughs> with Donald, they're trying to do all sorts of things to make sure he doesn't run. Um, Dawn, you know what, James? Yes, go, go, go ahead, Sandra. Wave, honey. Go ahead, it's Sandra. It's a tidal wave. There's a mass exodus of U-Haul trucks coming out of California and other Democratic states, Democrat states, where Americans do not like the government in those states. So you know what? This is what's happening. It's a swell. Those trucks are filled with the belongings, the beliefs, the hopes, and the dreams of Americans who no longer will tolerate the soft on crime, sickeningly over-aborted states, overtaxed, overpriced, over-governed Democrat states. Those Americans are fleeing to the states that still believe in asking God, not evil, to bless America. And they will overcome. They will overcome evil. This is a fight between good and evil. It's not between Democrats and Republicans, because there are bad Republicans, and there are good Democrats, and there are bad Democrats, and there are good Republicans. You know, they're good and bad in both parties. This is not about that. This is about good versus evil, and it's going to come from everywhere from every age bracket, from every nationality, from every state, you're going to see good overcome evil. And I got that in the last two days. I got that. That's why I called you today, James, because the tables are turning. I felt it yesterday and today, and I felt such a sense of relief and confidence and hope. So I hope I can convey that to you and to your listeners and in all of my books, Dear Donald, <laughs> Letters from a Loving Deplorable, Dear Donald, Four More Years, and Dear Donald, A Rainbow in a Winter Sky. Well, as we wrap up here with everybody, I want to start with IQ Rizzoli. IQ, uh, give me your thoughts on uh, today's show and everything show that's going on. As usual, and Sandra is very optimistic, which worries me. <laughs> as much, I'll tell you why, as much as I love Trump, I don't trust any of the politicians around him. Not one of them. A prostitute has more honor than any politician. I can think of, <laughs> well, you Trump. hit that on the head. <laughs> yeah. On both sides. Um, Don, what, 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 what do you think of today's show, my friend? Mr. Well, Masala. I think it's interesting. Notice you kept me off the air. From, uh, uh, I have to say uh, uh, with, with Sandra, I hope she's right, but I, I believe the best thing the country is for uh, Donald Trump to go home to his farm. Uh, I really do believe that. And uh, uh, um, I, I think uh, him announcing before the uh, uh, election is a mistake. Yeah. And uh, I have to get it in. Sandra, I understand. I love the way you think. But uh, uh, reality sometimes crashes into our dreams. And, and this is one of them. Yeah. Well, Sandra, as we wrap up here with you, my friend, how do we get your books and everything that uh, you're involved in, my friend? You can get them anywhere that books are sold, and probably the best bet would be Barnes & Noble. And I can tell you one thing, you will feel a sense of hope when you read them. And I, I don't give up on that. 
maybe I'm a dreamer. <laughs> maybe I'm a believer. It, it's, better, it's better to dream than to give up. So I yes. agree yeah, with you, you more. Know, you have to believe that good will conquer evil. Well, uh, to God's ears. this has been a fantastic show. I thank IQ, Don, and uh, Sandra, and, of course, our earlier guest, Larry Tracy. And I will talk to everybody next week. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Have a great it. weekend. Thank you take you. care. Thanks for including me. Yes, yes. There, there she goes. That is Sandra Lee, Don Mazella, and the rest of the crew. And that wraps it up from our big broadcast.